0: Well, good morning, Cornerstone. Uh, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Michael Risk, and I've been preaching here along with others while our minister, Campbell Markham, has been away. Uh, It's not long now until he returns, uh, which also means that we are now soon drawing drawing to a close at the end of our sermon series. Uh, For those of you who don't know, we're currently working through a sermon series in the book of Colossians. We're doing an eight-week sermon series, and we're on our seventh one today. Uh, Today we're looking at Colossians chapter 3, verse 18, right up up until chapter 4, verse 1. Uh, For some of you, uh, you may feel that this passage is not for you. You are perhaps single, you have no children, you're unemployed. uh, But we all need to listen and understand the Word of God. And we all know someone that this passage applies to. And we need to understand God's Word so we can encourage them as they seek to follow Christ. And on that note, let me pray for us. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the series we've, uh, we've had thus far and the reminder what Christ has done for us and how we respond to what Christ has done. Our Father, we pray that in everything we do, whether that is in word or deed, uh, we would do it in the name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus. Our Father, we pray now that as we look at this section of Colossians, uh, you would continue to grow us in maturity and understanding in how we should live our lives for Christ. Our Father, I pray that you would be with me as I now preach this passage. Help me to preach your word faithfully. Help me to preach it powerfully. And we just pray all these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Uh, earlier this, uh, last week, I watched with the G family at uh, the new movie *How to Drain Your Dragon 3*. And during the movie, I was reminded about the role of the the alpha dragon, uh, the top dragon, uh, that the alpha dragon is the one who has command over all the other dragons. Uh, but he's also responsible for all the other dragons. His role is to care for them to provide for them, and to protect those that are under his rule. I think of it like a monarchy. At the top of the monarchy is the king, and the king has rule and power over his entire country and people. However, he's also responsible for his country and his people. He commands them, but he has to make sure that they are cared for And provided for. That is also that his country is protected from outside forces. Um, Having said this, keep this in mind, uh, keep these two examples in mind as we now look at our letter for Colossians. Uh, In the Hellenistic world, in the Greek world, during Paul's time, every household had the head of the house, the master or lord of that house. Uh, The head of the household had full authority over those that were connected to him and his house. What he said went. After all, your life was dependent on him. He was the one who provided for you. He was the one who cared for you. Paul then draws from this and says, The head of your household, your Lord, your head... The one whom you are connected to, the one who you are united to, the one who gives you meaning, who gives you security, who is your fulfillment. Who is it? It is? It is the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the head of your household. Jesus is the head of whom we. Are dependent on. Jesus is our Lord. I think back to previous weeks with me and remember what Paul has told us. Paul has told us that our salvation has been secured through Christ and His work. We have been given new life in Him. We have been united to Christ through His death and His resurrection. He is the head of the church. He is Lord over all things. All things were created through Him and for Him. Our Paul is saying, this Jesus, the one whom has done all these things, He is our true head. He is the one whom we ultimately obey. For He is the one that has given us meaning. He's given us fulfillment. He's given us life. This is why Paul said in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, he says this, And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Jesus is our true Master. He is our true Lord. He is the head of the church. And we... His body, the ones whom he has saved. Our friends, in today in our passage, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 18 to chapter 4, verse 1, we are reminded yet again to live for Christ. The main point of our passage today is in our daily lives, live for Christ. Let me say that again. In our daily lives, live for Christ for Christ. And our passage outlines three ways in which we are to do this. First, we do it in our marriage, in our family, and in our work. Let me say that again. In our daily lives, live for Christ in your marriage, in your family, and in your work. Let's have a look at our first point together, shall we? Point number one. In our daily lives, live your life for Christ In your marriage looking at verses 18 and 19 let me read wives submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord husbands love your wives and do not be harsh with them wives submit yourselves to your husbands Uh, this was never to be taken and understood in isolation I suggest, along with others, that Paul never meant for verse 18 to be read alone, but to be always read with verse 19. For I know that there are some that have twisted verse 18, and they have said things like, I am the husband. And the Bible says, you need to obey me. You need to listen to me. Let me make one thing clear. When you see the word submit, it doesn't mean obey. Let me say that again. The word submit here, it doesn't mean obey. Uh, What does the word submit mean? The word submit means that wives are to voluntarily recognize the position of their husband and follow him. Allow him to lead her Allow him to care for her. Voluntarily recognize the position of your husband and allow him to lead you. Allow him to care for you. Follow him. Uh, In the time that this letter was written, it was written in a social context where man had authority. He was to rule. He was to care. He was to provide for those that were in his household. His wife, his children, any slaves he had, any workers that were connected to him. And the wife is told, recognize the authority your husband has been given. Voluntarily submit to that authority. Allow him to care for you. Allow him to provide for you. Allow him to lead you. Uh, A question that some of you might have is, uh, was this just a thing of its time? Were women only to submit to their husbands because it was the social norm during the first century? Um, I don't think so. For although this was a social context of its time, I still think it's a biblical mandate that is timeless. It may have been a social context of its time, but it's still a biblical mandate that is timeless. If we look in 1 Corinthians 11, we are told that the head of every wife is her husband. From creation, man has been given responsibility over his wife. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that man was not made from woman, but woman from man. And neither was man created for woman, but woman for man meaning that the wife is not to obey her husband but to voluntarily submit to him as he has been given responsibility by God since creation to lead, to care, to provide and to protect his wife. Uh, this I hope to flesh out more when we get to verse 19. Uh, but for now there's still more that needs to be said in verse 18. Verse 18 tells us wives are to submit to recognize the position of their husband and follow him. Allow your husband to lead you, to care for you. But here's the caveat. As is fitting in the Lord. As is fitting in the Lord. What does that mean? Here the wife is told to submit to her husband so far as that submission aligns with her ultimate submission to Christ. To the Lord Jesus. What might this look like? Uh, In the ancient world, it was normal for a household to worship whatever the head of the household deemed fit. Therefore, if the head of the household worshiped Roman gods, you, as part of his household, worshiped Roman gods also. Uh, This is why Joshua says in Joshua 24, he says, As for me and my household, we will we shall serve the lord it was joshua who was going to worship the lord as head of his house and all members that were and all the members of his house were going to be directed and guided by him i hear in our passage we are told that wives are to submit only as far as this submission aligned with their ultimate submission to christ Wives, if your husband is worshipping false gods or is an atheist, submission does not mean follow him in breaking God's law and worshipping what he is worshipping. Your ultimate allegiance is to, to the Lord Jesus, the one who has saved you, the one who has redeemed you. He has given you fulfilment. he's given you life. If you are the wife of an unbelieving husband here today, how are you to deal with him? How are you to deal with your unbelieving husband? Are you to go against him? Are you to argue and debate with him? Are you to say that he is wrong? No, I would recommend against that. Now, I think the Apostle Peter gives, gives us a great answer in 1 Peter chapter 3 where Peter instructs women to win over their husbands through their godliness. Let Christ be seen in how you act, that your husband might be won over without words, but with your deeds. And by all means, be praying for your husband. After all, this is a spiritual battle. And if your husband is an unbeliever, then you are not battling him. You are battling the spiritual forces. So be praying that God would see it fit to bring him out of darkness and into light. And verse 18 cannot be read without verse 19. If you are a Christian husband here today, you need to be following the Lord Jesus. Jesus needs to be directing and guiding your life. You are no longer the Lord of your household. It is Christ. In your marriage, it is no longer just you and your wife. It is Christ also. He is the one who is going to be directing you. He is the one that's going to be guiding you. He is the one who is going to be teaching you in how to lead and guide your wife. How are you meant to be leading and guiding your wife? Look at verse 19. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Love your wives. How are we meant to love our wives? I, I think a great parallel passage can be found in Ephesians 5, where Jesus says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. What does loving your wife mean? Well, it's being prepared to put your wife's life first before your own. This means not just jumping in front of a bus for her. This means Serving her, helping her, caring for her, and providing for her. I don't know about you men, but as I say these words, I feel my own inadequacy and failures as a Christian husband. I feel that I wouldn't hesitate to jump in front of a bus for Lauren but I know how often I have hesitated to take out the trash when she's asked me to. (laughs) Husbands, men, we have to be loving our wives, serving our wives, caring for our wives as the Lord asks us to. Are we doing this? Are we doing this? Ephesians 5 also tells us we need to be washing our wives in the Word. That we need to be looking after her spiritual growth. Husbands, we need to seek to disciple our wives. And discipleship is not just opening up the Bible with them and reading God's Word with them. By all means, do this with your wives. But discipleship also means asking how they are going. How they're going spiritually, asking how you can be praying for them. Man, our challenge from God's word, from our head, from our Lord Jesus, is to be loving our wives, to be serving them, to be reading God's word with them, to be praying for them, and to be asking how they are going. Are you doing this? We are told not to be harsh with them, so that they would not become bitter with us. That they would not feel distant or estranged from us. If a husband is not being harsh with his wife, but is loving his wife, caring for his wife, serving his wife, praying for his wife, growing his wife in godliness and maturity, Then, how much easier is it for his wife to submit to him? I think the real challenge is not for women to submit to their husbands, but I think the real challenge here is for men to step up, to love your wives, to love your wives as Christ loves the church. Can you do that? Can we do that? The only thing we can do, the only way we can do these things is if we're first submitting to Christ. So let me ask, are we all, all of us here, are we all submitting to Christ? Christ is the ultimate head of our household. Are you submitting to Him and doing what He's asking of us in this passage? Husbands, are you loving your wives? Are you serving her? Are you caring for her? Are you praying for her? If we aren't, then I think we owe our wives an apology. We need to repent also to Christ and say sorry that we have neglected to do what He's asked us. And then by God's grace, we need to pray that God will work powerfully in our lives. That he would shape us and transform us to be more like Christ. That we as husbands would put on the new self and allow Christ to direct us and lead us and transform us to be more like him. Wives, are you then submitting to your husbands? voluntarily recognising the position that he has been given by God to lead you, to care for you. If you have a non-Christian husband, submit to him as is fitting in the Lord. Be godly and respect him, that Christ may be seen in your life. And by all means, be praying for him. If you have a Christian husband, If he is loving you and not being harsh with you, then by all means allow him to lead you. Allow him to guide you. Allow him to care for you. Submit to that. Recognize the position he's been given by God. Even if he isn't loving you as God calls him to, submit to him as far as you can under God's law. Pray for him. In your daily life. Live for Christ and let your godliness be seen by him, and by doing so you may win over him also by your behavior and conduct. In our daily lives, friends, we are called to live for Christ. And in our passage today, we have been told we are to live for Christ in our marriages. In our second point, we are told to live for Christ in our family. So here, point number two, in our daily lives, live for Christ in your family. Let me read now verses 20 and 21 for us. Our children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Again, in these verses, just like verses 18 and 19, they are meant to be read together and not separately. These verses must also be understood in the manner in which Paul is speaking. For he is speaking to the church, reminding them that it is Christ who is now the head of your household. As Christians, the Lord of the household is not the parents. It is Christ. So please keep this in mind as we look at these two verses. Here in our context, Paul is also talking to the children of Christian parents, Note in verse 20 when we read, "For this pleases the Lord." It can be suggested from this letter that these children are being raised by godly Christian parents. this then sets the scene in which the command is given to children. the command, "Children, obey your parents in everything." Note the word "obey." The word obey is much stronger than the word submit. The word submit was to voluntarily recognize the position that the husband had been given over the wife. Here children are told to obey, to listen to the instructions of their parents in everything. Are these instructions then really everything that comes from the lips of their parents? Are parents given the right by God to ask their children of anything? Uh, is James later today going to talk to Jacob and ask for a foot massage? And then Jacob has to obey James. <coughs> I don't think so. So what does it mean then by everything? Well, it means all instruction that would please God. Let me say that again. It is all instruction That would please God. It's referring to the instruction that comes from God's Word. Um, A few weeks back, we were looking at Colossians chapter 2, and we talked about the ministry that each of us are called to. That we are called to go and make disciples. That each of us are called to make proper Christian disciples. How do we do that? Well, one of the things we were reminded about is that we are to proclaim Christ. Proclaim Christ with warning and with teaching. And we use all of Scripture to do this. Parents, that means we are to teach our children from all of Scripture, from both the Old and the New Testament. Children, children as you are taught from your parents... God's word, as they open up the scriptures with you, you are meant to listen to obey what they are saying when they teach you about Christ and the mighty works he has done, how Jesus lived the godly life we could not when they tell you that Jesus took the punishment of sin upon the cross that he died the death meant for us when they instruct you that the Lord Jesus rose from the dead, that he has conquered death And He has made a way for all those who are united to Him to conquer death also. When they speak the gospel message and that Christ is continuing to work in your lives, changing you and transforming you to be more like Him, you are to hear these words, obey these words, soak these words up like a sponge. And also when your parents warn you about the dangers that are out there. Dangers they have seen. Perhaps even been confronted by themselves. You are not to dismiss these warnings. And say that you know better. But what are you to do? You are to obey. You are to listen. Listen to what they're saying for they are leading you and instructing you in the ways that are pleasing to the Lord. The challenge here for parents is, are you instructing your children to know the Lord? Are you proclaiming Christ to them? Are you teaching them with warning? Are you proclaiming all of Scripture to them? Are you making disciples? Again, here in our passage, it challenges us men. Look at verse 20 with me. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Fathers, Christ has given you the task in leading your household. As an under-shepherd to him, the true shepherd. You, fathers, are the care and tender little flock that Christ has given you. You are not to embitter your children, not to cause difficulty and distance between you and them. We are not to make the Christian life unbearable for them. This means that we're not just going to give them empty rules to follow. By all means, rules are good. But first and foremost, be telling them why should, they should follow these rules. Be first telling them what Jesus has done and why it is good in response to what Jesus has done to live good Christian lives. Our responsibilities as fathers is to make Christian disciples, to teach them about Christ, to know Christ, and to love him and to follow him. We are not to discourage our children and lead them to give up the faith. Um, there's a great book that I know, that I read during my time in college. It's a, it's a great little book. I would say a fairly easy read. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't have any pictures. Uh, it's called The Shepherd Leader at Home by Timothy Whitmer. Let me say that again. It's called The Shepherd Leader at Home by Timothy Whitmer. And in a nutshell, he speaks to fathers to be under shepherds, shepherds under Christ, and to care for the flock that Christ has entrusted to them. Um, how are they to care for their flock, are their family? Well, by knowing them, spending time with their children, leading them, by being a role model to them, growing them, discipling them, protecting them warning them about the dangers that are out there. Fathers, instruct your children to know God and not just read the Bible with them, but be part of their lives. How can you instruct them if you don't know them? In our day-to-day lives, we are to live for Christ, and we are told to do that in our families. So let me ask parents here, Are you teaching your children? Are you discipling them with all of Scripture? Are you teaching them? Are you warning them? Are you proclaiming Christ to them? Are you also building a relationship with them? Do you know your children? To the children here, as your parents instruct you and teach you to know about God, Are you listening to them? Listen to what they have to say. They are proclaiming Christ to you. In Him you find fulfillment. In Him you find meaning. In Him you find hope. In Him you find life. Like a sponge, soak up what they are telling you. In our daily lives, we are to live for Christ. We do this in our marriages. We do this in our families. And we also do it in our work. This brings us to our third and final point. Point number three. In our daily lives, live for Christ in your workplace. Looking now at verse 22, right to chapter 4, verse 1. Let me read for us. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it. Not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favouritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair. Because you know that you also have a master in heaven. I hear the Apostle Paul is slightly changing gears. For although I would suggest that these verses need to be read together, when Paul addresses slaves here, he is being a lot more general than just speaking to slaves of Christian masters. He's speaking to slaves that might have, be slaves for hire or slaves that have uh, pagan masters. For in the ancient world, the message of Jesus had a great appeal to slaves. For although as a slave, you might have been considered no more as an inanimate object, a tool of your master. But in Christ, you have been given freedom. You have been given status. In Christ, you are an heir to all the promises of God. In him, there is the means to conquer death. There is the means of having life. There is the means of knowing God and finding fulfillment in Him. In the early church, the gospel was well received by slaves as it gave them meaning and fulfillment when previously they might have had none. How then should a slave respond to what Christ has done? What does our letter say? Well, they are told to serve their master more faithfully. They are to to work hard and do the best they can, not just when they are being watched by their master, but at all times. Why? Because their true master is now the Lord Jesus. The slave is now serving the Lord Jesus. They are working to please Christ and not man. Remember what chapter 3 verse 17 says? And whatever you do... Whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God for the Father through him. The slave now works for Jesus as a response of thankfulness of what Christ has first done for them. Here in the 21st century in Australia, we no longer are living in a time of slavery. But most of us here are workers. Most of us here have some paid employment. So what is told here for the slave in our passage is relevant to the employee in the workforce. When we are in the workforce, who is our real boss? Is it our manager? Is it our CEO? Is it the principal at the school? No. Our real boss is Jesus. We work for him. How do we work for Him? By working hard for Him. By doing our best for Him. Everything we do, we do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thanking the Father through Him. For our great reward does not lie in our payslip at the end of the fortnight. No, our great reward and inheritance has already been made possible through Jesus and the work He has done. So work hard for the Lord Jesus. Our verse 25 then says this anyone who does wrong will be repaid their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. I hear the Apostle Paul is now segueing to focus on masters, the masters of slaves. Um, Although a lot more could be said of verse 25, as there is both comfort and warning for the Christian. Comfort for the one who has been treated badly, whether that is the slave of the household. Who has been treated poorly by his master, or whether that is the church in Colossae, who has been feeling the pressure to conform to those around them. Paul is saying that God will punish those who have done wrong. Uh, we are reminded in Romans 12 that we are not to repay wicked with wicked, for vengeance belongs to the Lord. And here will repay those that have done wrong. We are told rather to do good to those that have wronged us. So if you were a worker and right now you have a more than unreasonable boss, don't respond with sloppy work, rudeness or any kind of wickedness, but continue to do good by them. Work hard for them. Why? Because you are working ultimately Christ. Lastly, if we have any Christian executive members here, or those that have power and authority over others, be fair to your workers, be kind to them, do what is right by them. As chapter 4, verse 1 tells us, we have another who is over us, our Master in heaven, the Lord Jesus. Uh, Well, we've covered a lot here in our passage. But I want to end with this. A few points of application for each of us. For married couples, as it has been said previously, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord, and husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. For those that aren't married, let me speak with you. Ladies, find someone who you can submit to. This means find someone who will love you like Christ loves the church. Someone that will love you. Someone that will care for you. Someone that will provide for you. Someone that will not just jump in front of a bus for you, but that will also not hesitate in taking out the trash for you. Um, If you are dating right now, and if you are dating someone, especially if these are non christian or he calls himself a Christian, but he doesn't go to church, doesn't read his Bible, doesn't pray, and you see that you are not going, he's not going to love you as Christ loves the church, if you see that you are not able to submit to him, then prayerfully realize that this relationship is not God-honoring. And best to end the relationship now rather than have a hard and difficult marriage in the future. Gents, men, those of you who aren't married, let me ask you, are you being the man that could love his wife like Christ loves the church? Or are you still being a boy that needs to grow up? My challenge to you, unmarried men. Start now being the man that can be marriage material. Start putting others first before yourself. Serve those around you. Be serving here at church. Think how you can be helping those around you. Start being a man rather than a boy. Men if you are in a relationship right now, if you're dating right now, get into patterns that you can set up for marriage. Start reading the Bible with your girlfriend. Start asking how you can be praying for her. Men, we need to start being men rather than boys. Let me speak now to parents. Whether you have young children, preteens, or teenagers... Disciple your children. Disciple your children. Proclaim Christ to them. Teach them what Christ has done. Warn them about the dangers that are out there. If you're a parent here today and you have teenagers and you feel that you have missed your chance, you haven't. But you will have to work harder. You will have to work harder in building that relationship with them earning the right to speak with them, to be able to make suggestions to them. You will have to work hard to know your children. And parents, don't compromise on your faith. Your child may not listen to the instructions you've told them, but they will take notice of whether you are standing firm in your faith or not. Make sure you stick to your guns and let them see that following Christ is worth it, that in Him is fulfillment. And to children here, be soaking up like a sponge what your parents have to teach you. Be asking questions and growing in your understanding of who Christ is. One day it will be your turn to go and make disciples I lastly to the employee here or the employer or the unemployed all of us here I remember that our true Lord, our true master is Jesus and all that we say and all that we do let us do it in the name in his name giving thanks to God the Father through him Christ is the Lord of our household. He is the one we are dependent on. He is the one who has given us fulfillment. He is the one who has given us life. Therefore, live for Christ in our day-to-day lives. Live for him in your marriage. Live for him in your families. Live for him in in your workplace. Live for Christ. On that note, let's spend some time in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, our Lord, we thank you for this time in your word. Our Father, we pray, help us to live for you in our daily lives. I remind us daily the work of Christ and that in him we have fulfillment, meaning, and life. Help us to live knowing that he is the head of our household, that he is our Lord. Help us, Father, to submit to him in everything we do. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would work powerfully in our lives, changing us and transforming us to be more like Christ. That in everything we do we would bring glory, honor to your name. I we pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.